welcome to another podcast on the art of relationships. I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Yohoff. We're here again talking to you about a number of things all related to relationships. That's right. And one of the things we have spent some time uh, talking about last time was uh, sexuality, sexual intimacy, the way in which this has been something designed by God and something that has now really gone uh, to places of disorder and chaos <gasps> and the pain that our culture is and the pain of relationships that we find today revolving around this particular issue of shame and hiding and vulnerability. How do we get there? What's happening? How do we recapture this love? And last time, right. Tim, we you read a little bit out of Song of Solomon yeah. and just a powerful poetic way of creative order in which this is designed and built into us as yeah. human beings. So I know you have a great story and example where we want to talk a little bit about uh, where we're going next. Yeah, the, the, about the complexity of sex is kind of what we want to talk about. So I was a high school wrestler, Chris, and uh, had a coach who made us cut weight. So we had to all drop, you know, weight classes, which meant drop, you know, dropping 10 pounds, 20 pounds sometimes. So one person said to me, well, man, you need to eat yogurt because you can't be eating other food. So I said, all right, fine. I'd never eaten a yogurt a day in my life, Chris. So I go to the lunchroom, this is high school, grab blueberry yogurt, right? I like blueberries. I whip that top off, I'm starving. You know, I haven't eaten breakfast or anything. And I just start to eat this thing. Chris, it does not taste like blueberries. It tastes horrible and looks horrible. It's all white. And I'm like, what? Well, a girl sitting next to me is looking at me like, you are a complete idiot. And says to me, um, you have to stir it up. The blueberries are on the bottom. You got to stir everything together. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I stir it all together. And guess what, Chris? It tastes like blueberries. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awesome. And to this day, I love blueberry yogurt. Here's what I think culture is doing, Chris, is they're just eating from the top. They're isolating one part of this. And they're saying the sex act, void of commitment, void of um, exclusivity, it, we're just identifying the sex act. This is the hookup culture, right? Mm -hmm. God is saying, man, it's so much more complicated than that. If you mm -hmm. want to get the full, robust nature of sexuality, you got to stir up all the ingredients together. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about what are those ingredients mm -hmm. that have to be in place for sex to be everything God wants it to be. Well, that's 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 a fascinating <laughs> illustration <laughs> of the way in which you can isolate things, yeah. and you have to take this into this whole context. So when Jesus and Paul spoke about marriage, um, they oftentimes referred back to Genesis, right? Genesis mm -hmm. 2.24 as, as kind of this, for this reason, a man will leave you know, his father and mother and shall be united to his wife and they will become one flesh, yeah. right? So there are many ways in which God could have made us, but for whatever reason, this is the way he did this. So it implies that we are created sexual beings. Yes. Um, in that, however, some of those ingredients that he is now saying you need to mix yep. and stir in are the following. A, this act, this togetherness, this bond, this creation yep. must be exclusive. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's right. For this, this reason, a man shall leave with his wife. Yes. Yeah. And so exclusivity um, is something that we hold powerfully dear to somehow recognizing mm -hmm. God's creative order in this requires us to maintain an exclusive relationship. I, some of the most damaging, painful things occur when this exclusivity is broken. That's right. Because the betrayal and feelings 
that occur when someone steps outside that that bound that yeah. we've made uh, probably is some of the most painful, uh, horrible experiences that a person can go through when they realize or they're involved in a, in a situation in which there's a breaking of this exclusivity. And uh, we're shocked today. Well, maybe not shocked, but how many celebrities have open marriages, yeah. right? With the idea, hey, we're together, but it's good every once in a while to include an outside element. It's good every once in a while to go outside the bounds of marriage and have a sexual encounter. And somehow that that spices up, mm-hmm. right? And the Bible is saying, man, that is not it. Mm-hmm. It is exclusive. It's you and this person learning about each other uh, for your entire lifetime. Noreen said this to me when we first got married. I thought it was fascinating. She said, a woman may give another man sex, but will never bear her soul unless it's exclusive. Mm. And unless that commitment's there. Yeah. And today, I, remember that article you, there was a New York Times article about um, Tinder mm-hmm. and the hookup culture today. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, boy, it was an eye-opening article. But how many people said at the end of the day, man, I, I can have unlimited sexual encounters and I, I'm empty at mm-hmm. the end of the day. That's right. And God's saying, man, that's no surprise. Yeah. This exclusivity is really important to say one person, uh, you and your spouse for the rest of your life, which leads mm-hmm. us right to another ingre- ingredient, which is commitment. Yeah, uh, uh, permanency uh, yeah. or commitment. Yep. Uh, so yeah. let's talk about that. I mean, yeah. permanency um, as a notion of a relationship that I'm committing to um, till God, you know, calls us home, right? Until right. death do us part. That's right. Um, that one is really an ingredient that people are more and more unwilling to stir in there because That's it right. goes like this. If you meet my needs today, That's right. if my desires, if my em- emotional uh, longings, if my feelings and need for intimacy are met by you, then we are in a good relationship. But when those stop being met, when I am no longer feeling loved by you, I need and feel the freedom, the world says, to be able That's to right. break That's this right. bond, to break to break this commitment, because it's predicated on the fact that I am receiving from you all of my needs and desires. That's what love is. Love is this meeting of me, my needs. Um, and when it's no longer met... That's right then I have the freedom to break this off. And there goes your ingredient of permanency. And I was teaching a uh, undergrad class at UNC Chapel Hill, and it's when Jennifer Aniston, this is going to date me, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt got married. Mm. And I said to the class, I said, listen, I'll take bets right now. Let's make bets. This marriage does not last five years. I'll take anybody's money. They're like... Why are you so negative? Why are you such a downer? I said, listen, because I read an interview with Brad Pitt. I read an interview. It was Rolling Stones magazine. And they said to Brad Pitt, are you into this till death do your part thing? And Brad Pitt said, no. Jennifer and I are just going to kind of see where this takes us. Mm-hmm. Right? Chris, there's no way you're getting past the pressures, challenges of life with that kind of a flimsy commitment to each other. And certainly sexually... I'm not saying sex wouldn't be pleasurable, but it is never going to get to the depths that God says when he says, listen, I want you in this for life, Mm -hmm. and I want you to be this one flesh relationship that um, you are not to tear apart. 
there's no way we're going to get to the depths of sexuality unless we have that kind of commitment to each other that nothing's going to separate us. So we make this commitment to one another in an exclusive, permanent bonding, but we also do this publicly. Yes. Right? We do yep. a public pledge. Cohabitation. Um, the act of living together as non-married people, which is going up in numbers, does not require a public pledge. That's and right. in so doing, sexuality now begins to take on a very different role. That is, I'm, you are meeting my needs. I'm feeling this pleasure. But no one else necessarily needs to know that. Uh, what we do That's with right. a marriage uh, is we commit to in front of our friends, our neighbors, at least some witness is still required to get married. Somebody that says, okay, I saw you and now I know you're getting married. But this idea of public pledging, what does that mean? Yeah. So we're, we're at Cambridge. Uh, we went to Cambridge, my wife and I, and we're standing in this long line to go into this one museum. I mean, they have great museums. And there's a couple in front of us. We just strike up a conversation with them. And, you know, and then I say to them, um, hey, are you guys married? He says, well, we're dating. She says, well, it's more than that. We're living together. Mm-hmm. But do you notice what just happened? Yeah. Me and Noreen say, we're married. Mm-hmm. He says, we're dating. You could tell that bugged her just a little bit because mm-hmm. it's more than dating. We're actually living together. Mm-hmm. But what most separated us, mm-hmm. right, Chris, is that Noreen and I stood up in front of all of her brothers and sisters, her parents, my parents, my brothers, our best friends, and God and said, we're in this. And I know there's a bunch of psychological studies, but calm studies, there's a million of calm, calm studies where two groups uh, commit to doing something. And the only difference between the two groups is group B, they're required to get up publicly and say, we're going to use the air conditioner less over the summer. We're going to do this or that. And the only thing that separates the two groups is the one group was made to get up publicly and state what they're committing to. And studies have shown the group that does that publicly, man, there is some kind of social glue that they outperformed the group that said, we're going to do it, but they only did that privately. It reminds me of something we've talked about in here uh, on this podcast before, Tim, is a study uh, by James Cohen at the University of Virginia, where he took married couples and he found out that as they were about to get shocked, these women uh, were oh, about yeah, to receive yeah. a shock, yeah. that by simply holding the hand of a stranger, their stress level went down. Um, so they're about to get shocked, a high stress level, hold the hand of a stranger, shock level goes down. Hold the hand of their marriage, of their married partner and their shock level, their stress level uh, goes down even further. Yeah. What surprised James Cohen was when he brought in uh, people who were simply living together. We yeah. just lived together. They yeah. were cohabitating. Yeah. And he determined that when they held the hand of these women, they're about to get shocked. Their cohabitating partners held their hands. That he could not tell any different between any difference between the brains of those who were strangers and those who were cohabitating. So he has speculated and is currently even researching the idea that okay, there is something about a public command. There is something about a vow. Marriage seems to be more than just a piece of paper because people that are in this state of just living together, mm-hmm. cohabitating. Mm-hmm. Somehow you can't – their brains aren't convinced of the fact that their partner has their back. There is something that doesn't seem to translate into their heart. So like this couple you were standing in line yeah. with, it's as if they're still – 
you haven't really committed to me. I'm not sure I can trust you. And when times get bad, when things go difficult, I'm not sure you are going to be there for me. So this, I, yeah. So let's have some disclaimers. First, we are not saying that couples who live together have no commitment, no intimacy, no love for each other. We're not saying that at all. We're saying if a relationship, if you want it to flourish as God intended it to flourish, if you want to be firing on all cylinders, very proud that I used an automotive illustration (laughs) right there, but that's it. Firing on all cylinders, then that's what God wants. So we are not saying that any married couple has more intimacy than any couple living together. No, I'm sure there's some couples living together that are doing a great job raising kids, Mm -hmm. right? But we're talking about levels of flourishing here. Mm -hmm. Second, uh, I also want to say that if you're listening to this and you're on your second marriage, mm-hmm. right? You're on your third marriage and you're thinking, well, great, I just blew it, mm-hmm. right? I wish I would have heard this 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. I didn't. And I'm, I'm divorced and I'm remarried. Am I a second class citizen? Will I never get to that level of intimacy? And we're saying no, mm-hmm. that one of the great things God does is that he redeems relationships. Mm-hmm. So the relationship that you're in now is, is make that kind of commitment. Say, this is, this is, I'm committed to this for the rest of my life, and I do believe that God can give to you a mm-hmm. level of flourishing, His pleasure, affirmation, as much as a couple that's, this is their first time being married, right? Yeah. I, think, I think that that's really important yeah. to say. There's no second-class citizens in God's I kingdom. I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's good, Tim. It's a good clarification uh, because this simply, uh, it, it's a reality that we face that uh, people really do struggle in some areas, but one of the things they have to realize um, is God has taken who we are in, in our relationships, provided us a pathway, a, a blueprint, and a model, and he also recognizes who we are as human beings. We're sinful. We mess these things up a yeah. lot, and the powerful uh, idea of his not only his redeeming call up to us, uh, but just how he is able to uh, redeem many of the decisions and poor things we've made. Simply the act of who we are as believers, That's right. That's uh, forgiveness, um, and that we can come to him and and find wholeness. We can find a re you know almost this restart again That's because right. of who Christ is. That's so, right. a couple other ingredients that we'd want to stir together. Uh, and if you pick up any book. From a Christian perspective, even a non-Christian perspective, when it comes to sexual intimacy, they're going to say, listen, how are you doing physically? Yeah. Right? We can't ignore our bodies and not worry about, you know, we eat whatever we want. We um, we don't exercise. Um, and then we wonder, why, why is our sex life suffering? So, really, uh, things like diet, uh, regular exercise... Um, even dysfunctions, right? I think we need to say, Chris, that the older you get, it's just natural that things are just going to start to happen to your body. And it's crazy that some people out of pure embarrassment will never go to a doctor to do a checkup. It'd be like saying, yeah, my car doesn't really run really well. And it's kind of, boy, two car illustrations in one (laughs) podcast. This is remarkable. Um, It's not running right, but I'm embarrassed to take it to the car mechanic, Mm -hmm. right? No, no, we need to get past that. If your sex life is not flourishing, Mm -hmm. then absolutely, one of the first steps is you and your spouse need to go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. And by the way, 
Chris and I are not those kind of doctors. <laughs> Do not send us questions like that. But go to a doctor and just say, okay, hey, things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. And have a medical professional sit down and say, okay, it's time for us to take a look at some very natural things that could be happening or the areas that you might be neglecting. I think that's really good, Tim, and really helpful for um, just as a reminder for those out there that are, could be struggling in this area. There could be other things that your doctor knows about. I mean, medication, uh, yeah. age, um, the effects pain, of other medication. Uh, that, yeah. yeah, all yeah, of yeah. them can have an impact, and to just take care of this area uh, is is really important. Mostly, too, Tim, I think for. Couples that struggle in this area, they there is something else that it's not. It's, there is some physical things. There are ways in which our bodies break down, or medication has an impact. There are also emotional traumas oh, yeah. that we have faced yep. um, that can also impact uh, pleasure, uh, past relationships, and, right. and then past harm done. And those things really do require professionals to. Exp- uh, to talk about, to be able to bring to light, and then to be able to process and get some healing from. And a lot of these can just simply impact the physical, but those are done best by by professionals who are trained in these areas. And there's some yeah. amazing um, – we could even put on our website some areas for – receiving some help, especially That's when it good. comes to psychological counseling yeah. and help. There are a lot of organizations out there that do some great professional work in the area of sexuality, in the area of healing, in the area of trauma and abuse and pain that can affect our our, our sexuality. That's right. And that kind of bleeds into another one, uh, unresolved conflict. Yeah. Right? If there's something between you and your spouse. Now, this is where I think movies really sell us a bill of goods. Only in the movies can you be really mad at each other and it ends up you making love. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's good. That's movies like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where they're literally in a physical altercation with each other. Yeah. And again, this is Brad uh, Pitt and Angela Jolie. This is where they actually met um, in this movie, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And then it winds up in a passionate love scene. I, the Notebook. Mm-hmm. The Notebook. You got Ryan Goslin, mm. and I forget her name. Mm. Um, but they're having this argument in a rain. Chris, it's a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. It's a thunderstorm. And Noreen and I have never had an argument in a thunderstorm. I'd look at her and I'd say, Noreen, let's go inside, right? (laughs) This is crazy. But but they're they're mad at each other and they wind up in this passionate kiss, right? Mm -hmm. But that's only in the movies. If there's unresolved conflict between you and the other person, that is going to, of course, register in in the bedroom. So there's actually a, a phrase we use called makeup sex. You've heard that, right? That term, which me, which is kind of funny, right, Chris? But it means that when you and your spouse are having this intense disagreement or argument, but you actually resolve it, mm. right? Um, and do it appropriately. We've talked about this on a ton of our podcasts, how to resolve conflict. That, people actually find that arousing. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I feel really great about you right now because we resolve this. And, that, and we, call that, we call that makeup sex. Which I think is hilarious. And I think we should do a whole podcast. No, we shouldn't. I'm just kidding. Um, and then last one I want to say, Chris, is spiritual dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. is so incredibly – we're spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And if we are neglecting that connection with God or if there's unconfessed sin in our lives, mm-hmm. that's going to register between you and your spouse because this dryness that you have with God is absolutely going to bleed into your sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. So, you can't ignore – God and expect to flourish in other areas, including your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, as we stir these um, ingredients together, 
uh, Tim, there are uh, people who uh, will still point out that this this causes for them a little bit of concern and angst. They they've tried. They they work on this. Maybe they're um, in a relationship in which. Um, they're both trying to work on this, but they, they still feel as if there's a barrier, an inability mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. talk, mm-hmm. an inability mm-hmm. to really get down to the heart of this issue and or, or to, to the issues that really are important. And they, they feel unheard or they feel that they can't express themselves. What do we do in, in, for couples that are at that point where this conflict or certain issues are there? But they have a hard time even just talking about right. it with right. another person. It, the, these feelings of shame and vulnerability are pretty yeah. powerfully attached to our sexuality. And this idea of, of a spirituality, we realize, okay, God loves and accepts me, yeah. but this can be influenced by the way we see how much our what God does and what he says about us. Yeah, I, I, I think the key is going to be we need more information. We need perspective when it comes to the, our sex lives because um, one, it's kind of awkward for couples to talk about it. And then I think even couples would say, okay, maybe I'm up for marital counseling, but not not sexual counseling. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just seems... Chris, one time I was at a resort. We were on vacation. And uh, have you ever played tennis with a tennis pro? Somebody who's actually a pro? So I play with this guy, right? We did it for 45 minutes. He says to me, hey, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, analyze your game for a second. I said, okay. He goes, you hit a ball against a wall, don't you? I said, yeah, I do. I was taught that that's really good. He goes, no, it's horrible. Don't ever do that without somebody there to coach you. Mm-hmm. You really pick up some bad habits. I kind of feel like, Chris, that's true of a lot of married couples, is they haven't stopped having sex per se, but there's just something that's not... Clicking, or, or instead of fostering intimacy, it's fostering isolation. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's when you bring in a trained Christian counselor, mm-hmm. where you sit down, you say, okay, this is... Now, if that's too much of a step, then there are some awesome books out there mm-hmm. from a Christian perspective. One that we like is Sheet Music, right? Right. Uh, I forget who the authors are. Do you know of? I'll and, remember it probably okay. by the end of the... <laughs> but again, to sit down and read it, where, where, where they do a good job of saying, listen... This is a problem we've had. And you sit there and you go, oh, thank you for saying that. Right. Because we do. And remember, not to over-spiritualize this, but Satan loves to isolate. Mm -hmm. He loves for couples to think we're the only ones who struggle in the bedroom. I mean, we're a committed couple. We love each other. We go to church. We do all of these things. And still, our sex life just isn't that great. So we have some good friends of ours. Um, We speak at marriage conferences together, and I won't mention any names, obviously, but they shocked us one day and they said, hey, guess what we, guess what we did last month? We said, what? We went to a sexual therapist. Mm. Chris, you could have heard crickets. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I was like, really? And they said, you know what? It was phenomenal. We just said, we love each other. We're committed to each other. We're in full-time Christian ministry together and our sex life has fizzled. Yep. And this guy sat down with him and said, okay, one, this happens to everybody. Everybody goes through seasons. And here are just some things to think about. And what he did is he honestly did a checkup. He said, okay, let me ask you about your um, uh, uh, physically, how are you guys doing? Medications you're taking, um, stress, busyness, all the, and, and they said, Tim, it was absolutely liberating. 
Yeah, good for them for taking that step, which can be really hard to do. The yeah. author, by the way, Dr. Kevin Lehman. Uh, okay, right? sheet music. Uh, sheet music, yeah. yeah. And it's a it's just a, a book that we recommend now yeah. when we do premarital counseling yep. for all our all couples to, to read and go through because it really is a great practical book for both married and engaged couples. Uh, but helping those that are dealing with maybe a, a, a past, right, sexual, sexual abuse or some other traumas in their past. And so it really helps them uh, in this area. So, uh, Tim, as we uh, wrap this up, one of the things that uh, I think comes into play here is these ingredients as we stir them up. Um, what final, uh, we, you know, we, I, we've given a couple of suggestions. What, right. what final things would you like to say to couples in this area is, no, uh, and and go back to the source. Go back to where you yep. have found yep. this vow and this commitment that you've made in this permanent union that's exclusivity. And if there are issues re- around that, then the need to bring in you know professional trained yeah. help uh, like your couple friend did is really important. It's really important. And, and I was so glad they did that, right? Think of all the couples who suffer in silence and frustration because they just don't. Yeah. They don't want to do that. Hey, here's what, I, here's what I'm going to say, Chris, because we do premarital counseling. I know you and Elisa do premarital counseling as well. So we had this one couple, and they were great. They both were virgins. They saved themselves from marriage. They both grew up in Christian homes. And they had lived with this narrative their entire lives, certainly during dating engagement, of, boy, when you get to that honeymoon night and mm-hmm. you've saved yourself, mm-hmm. right? You're, oh my gosh, you're going to be waking up the neighbors. It's going to be crazy, passionate sex, right? So here's a couple who did it perfectly. And we have a follow-up time with them after, you know, they get married. And they both just kind of looked at each other and said, can we just be really honest with you? It just isn't that great. Mm -hmm. And we're we're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. and, And she said, I don't know if it's me or, and I just said, guys, I am so glad that you mentioned this to us. And we've got to stop with this mantra, Chris, mm-hmm. that, hey, you, you save yourself, you do everything perfectly, then the, the honeymoon night's going to just happen. Yeah. And what we're saying is, I don't think that's true. There's a lot of things that go into this, um, the sexual act and sexual intimacy. It's more complicated than what you may have believed. And we've got we to gotta stop overselling mm-hmm. that Christian couples somehow have this unbelievable uh, sex life. No, we struggle as much as anybody else and we need information and patience and grace and intimacy and the courage to talk to other couples about it, mm-hmm. I think is, is important to keep in mind. That's good. Uh, and again, if there, as we mentioned, one of the, a great book out there is this idea uh, then of Dr. Kevin Lehman's book on sheet music, uh, where he talks about sexual intimacy and marriage. And then, uh, as you, we oftentimes recommend young couples take that book. Um, you go through a number of these chapters and read it, and it can cover so many areas for them that uh, could be lead to problems. Yeah. And if yep. they don't take yep. care of them early on. And so it's a great book to recommend and we as even, well. We even recommend that couples who are engaged and they're like, uh, I think like three weeks out, two weeks out from their wedding date. Yeah. And I think it's great to sit down with a book like that and give just a little bit of a preview of, you know, so that they're not taken by surprise, I think is a really good thing to, to do. All right. Well, there's a whole lot more to talk about. There's so much more to talk, so about. More to talk so, about. Yeah. Let's do that. And uh, especially now when we uh, look at some of the ways uh, culture deals with this issue, let's spend some talking about that. But Tim, it's good talking with you and uh, look forward to next time. As always, Chris. Thanks, man.